Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we begin the 13th chapter of the book of Mark. In the middle of Jesus' last week in Jerusalem, leading up to the crucifixion, Jesus takes a moment to pull back the veil into the future and teach his disciples about what is going to happen to the beautiful city of Jerusalem and the temple that stood there. We'll just get into the introduction in the first four verses this week, and for the sake of time, we're going to let Pastor Jim get right to it. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, When Will These Things Be? Number four in this list, they said there would be an alliance of many nations to fight against the Messiah. They believed, quite correctly, that when Messiah comes to set up his kingdom, that mankind would temporarily interrupt all their other warfare to unite to fight against the Messiah. Well, is that a correct biblical expectation? Yes, but they'd never read the book of Revelation. Why didn't they read the book of Revelation? It hadn't been written yet. They didn't know about the big interval while the king was away. Battle of Armageddon. They had a belief that fit that, but they didn't know the time. Number five, the next event in their system of eschatology of, uh, in Jesus' day is the destruction of those nations which fight against the Messiah. Hey, how does it go for the nations of the world at the Battle of Armageddon? slain by the sword that proceeds from his mouth. The blood flows throughout all of Israel. Next in this sequence, they believed, is the restoration of Jerusalem. Hey, pretty cool. Why, maybe they've actually read Ezekiel 40 through 48. What Jerusalem and the temple is going to be like in the, in the millennium. Whoa, that's something else. But they didn't know the timing. They believed that the Jews scattered throughout the world would be gathered back to Israel. Well, that's true. But they didn't know the sequence of events. By the way, here's a a sidebar on that. Uh, It strikes me that one of the most spectacular, validating pieces of evidence to the accuracy of the Bible is the fact that there is such thing as Israel today, you know, scattered from A.D. 70 onward, never independent from 586 B.C. onward, and now they're back there. It's not a believing nation. This is not the fulfillment of everything. But the fact that there is an Israel, that's astounding to God's faithfulness, astounding evidence to God's faithfulness. Eight, eighth event, they believed of the Messiah's coming. He would make Israel and Jerusalem the center of the world. Hey, Pretty biblical, pretty cool, right? He's gonna, they're all, all the nations are going to be streaming to, to Israel. They just didn't know the timing. And finally, in his day, they believed that with the establishment of the Messiah's kingdom would come a new eternal age of peace and righteousness and divine glory. Scattered all through the Old Testament, all of those promises. They had a pretty good idea of the 
the, the package of things that would happen in relation to the Messiah. And they thought when they asked this question, it's going to be immediately. Yeah, but it, but it didn't happen Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. You're going to make us wait another whole week? Do you remember when Jesus ascended in Acts chapter 1? They're they're, they're thinking then, we've given this thing almost six whole weeks. Is it now? And he says, what? You don't know the day or the hour. He disappeared. Hey, you know what? He could have come back. Any moment after that. That's the doctrine of imminence. Paul wrote, we who are alive and remain. He knew it could have happened during his lifetime because there is not one single more prophetic event that has to happen before the end of the church age and the beginning of that time of great tribulation that leads up to the second coming of Christ and the coming of the kingdom of heaven to earth. There's not one more prophetic thing. So that's why I say, when you hear people saying, here's what's going on in the world today, and here's the prophetic significance of it, you should reinterpret that and say a couple of things. Yeah, it's exactly like he said. Keep doing business until I come. And you should also probably change the channel because you're wasting perfectly good brain cells on stuff that really doesn't matter. Oh, it it matters a lot. Trust me, the persecuted church is being persecuted and it's real. Trust me, there are people doing horrible things in the name of, of all sorts of different isms and whatchamacallits, and it's very real. All that stuff is real, but it's not significant to the sequence of the events of the plan of God. The way I like to say it, and you that have been here on Wednesday nights to study Revelation, we're setting the table. All this stuff that happens, each one of those things is like one more little tiny piece lining up as it will probably need to be. The existence of Israel, a whole bunch of things like that, truly amazing. So what is your expectation? The value of studying The Olivet Discourse, the grand central station of Bible prophecy, is to help you realize opinions don't matter. What God has said is what we can stand upon, and we don't need to be shaken and swayed by every wind of doctrine that blows through town. Trust God to do what He says to do, and between now and then, be doing what He told you to do. I'll close with this. Titus chapter 2, verse 15. In a sense, this is like a a shorthand version of the nexus of Bible prophecy. Titus 2, 11 to 15. He writes, Paul does to Titus, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That's a way of describing Jesus came. He died for your sins according to the Scriptures. Come and be saved. Okay, that's the first coming. And if you have salvation, what are you supposed to do? Well, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to, 
deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live. Now, here's your instructions. Do this every single moment until Jesus comes. Live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this or in the present age, that time of unknown length. We know it to be a good 2,000 years. In this present age, all the while looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. Look forward to the second coming. Live realizing that while you're being sensible, righteous, and godly in this age, you know that this age is not where you ultimately are going to end up. You're going to live in this age in such a way that you're looking forward to the next age. So you're going to be looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself to redeem us from every lawless deed, done that, first coming, and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession. What's the reason for this big gap between first coming and second coming? He is purifying, that is, bringing to holiness a people for His own possession. Well, I thought He had one of those. I already had Israel, but there's a people called the church, Jew and Gentile together in one body. He's purifying for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. So while you're being sensible and righteous and godly in this present age, here's what else he says to do. These things, what things? That Christ came, the grace of God came. Preach Christ. These things speak. So whatever else you're doing in this world, knowing that the world hates Christ and hates those who name Christ, speak these things. Speak and exhort. That's telling people to do something. Inviting them to do something. Come alongside and say, this is the way we need to go. Exhort and reprove. Sometimes you, it's right to say, here's what God says, here's what you're doing, there's a problem. Speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. And you say, well, what authority do I have to tell somebody else how to live their life? I'm not their judge. No, you're not. But you know their judge, and you don't want them to be judged. So speak it with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Oh, they may write you off. They may say bad things. They might beat you, stone you, throw you in prison. They might kill you. But don't let them miss the message. My friends, that's where we live. That, this present age. And the Olivet Discourse is here to help you understand how all of that fits with God's plan. Oh, and there's a whole lot more really good stuff to come. But let's pray for now. Our Father, again, how we thank You for Your great faithfulness and thank You for the, the promises upon which we stand, the grace in which we stand. Help us to live sensibly, righteously, godly in this present age. And whatever You need to do in our hearts to, to make that the case, do it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.